Good morning, Bill, and uh, welcome to our uh, next podcast. So this is Bill Winter and I'm Mark Edmonds, and we're the hosts of True Business Stories. And we thought today we'd just have a bit of a reminisce over the people we've chatted to and interviewed over the last few months. We've had a fantastic time chatting to some really great businesses, and we thought you know, we should talk back about what some of the learnings and what some of the things that uh, we've learnt from them. So, hi, Bill. What what yep. do you think some of those businesses have got in common or some of the key issues that they, they seem to be dealing with? Yeah, thank you, Mark. Um, yeah, we certainly have come across a variety of businesses. And one of the, I guess, our aims is to what I call or determine, determine is we're not talking to the usual suspects. In other words, we're not talking to businesses that are always out there and always get written up as exemplar businesses, but we're talking to to what uh, an old phrase, which is the quiet achievers. That's what we're finding, is that each of the interviews we do, there is a great story behind it and that the companies have been through a tough time, of course, as everybody has over COVID, but they've come out of it the other side and they're looking positively at what the future holds. And, and I think that's a really, a really good point. Everyone that we've spoken to has been positive. D- despite what they've gone through, they've all been positive about what they've come through and where they're heading and can see the future being uh, different but bright. Yeah, a- another point there, Mark, is that not one of them has complained about the lack of staff. Now, I know that the lack of staff is reality. I was with a business yesterday that is suffer- in a regional business and they're really struggling to find part-time staff in their food industry. But the success one, the people who have been successful are the ones that found ways to maintain their staff and they've looked after during COVID even though their own income has stopped. And they've been able to work around that and keep... And the other part of that, of course, is that They've got everyone's back in the office. And, and it's an interesting part that they're all very conscious of looking after their people and, and making sure. Uh, I think gone are the days where you hired somebody and you just paid them the minimum award rate. That, that's, that's just a furphy now. They're, they're looking at what rates of pay and not just pay, but what are the benefits, the working from home, the shared work, um, days off on their birthdays, a whole raft of stuff just trying to make sure they're an employee, the old employee of choice discussion, or employer of choice discussion. Yes, so I've got another example, which we haven't done an interview with this company, but they've been struggling to get, they're a a two-shift-a-day operation, and they've been struggling with the second shift. And they've just realised that uh, because it's made up of younger kids and normally kids part-time after school hours, that their formula for success has been the fact that they've now only employing casuals, but they're paying casuals well above award rate, even with the penalties in it, because the feedback is a 19-year-old or an 18-year-old is not interested in an award rate because a rate combined with super, holiday pay and all this. Their interest is, what have I got in my pocket at the end of the week? And they've realised that, and so they're changing the structure on how they employ part-time students. And one of the other aspects I've noticed too in some of the hospitality side is is hiring an older worker. So they've gone for, for people that are retired 
and 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 are coming back to saying yes it might cost more but they've got someone that's turning up wants to work and actually has a bit more worldly knowledge about them and gets in and does the job so it's interesting that whole change and i know you're very passionate about the uh, the over the 50 space the 50 the the uh, what do i call them maturepreneurs <laughs> the maturepreneurs and and that that's and that's one of the things that um I know there's been this push to uh, make sure that people who are on the pension don't lose the pension just because they want to go back to work. So there's been some change in that, and uh, hopefully there'll be a bit more change in that as well. Yes, look, there's another aspect of the people that we've uh, been interviewing over this period of time is that I would say every one of them has a real vision of where they want to be in the future. Now, we asked one about, you know, have you got a business plan and what's your structure and all the rest of it? And I, I recall his his response, well, I just wing it. <laughs> now, that's not the usual way. But getting back to the general consensus is that they understand where they're going and where they want to be in the future and that they realise that they can't do it overnight. They don't fall for any of these quick get-rich schemes or programs that are going on at the moment they know that it takes time and it's just one step at a time and that they know they'll get to their goal at the end of it. And, and business planning has definitely stood out as one thing that the majority of the businesses that we've spoken to have a business plan um, and have a vision of where they're going. Um, even our wing it, he, 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 he may say he wings it, but I definitely think he has a plan. Whether it's in his head or written down, I'm not sure, but he definitely knows what he's trying to do and follow the step-by-step process. Oh, absolutely. You know, the other thing about planning is uh, uh, my advice, given uh, I've done a bit of work in, in business planning in the past with small enterprises, is that don't make it a really long-term plan because what's happened with this change of, of the economy, the change of the business environment due to COVID is that we can't, I don't think we can see past three years. And I know you and I have been asking our interviewees, well, tell us where your business will be in three years' time. And the other issue there is we often read about one-page plan. Now, one-page plan is really a pup out of a general business plan, an overall business plan. And if you can turn that into a monthly dashboard and monitor what's going on on a monthly basis, uh, as a couple of our interviewees have done, is they can be flexible, and if something untoward happens, they can change on an instant. Yeah, that's 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 really important, Bill. And and having that plan and having action steps to take and and subsets of that business plan, a marketing plan, etc., are really really important because you, if you don't have a set set of steps that you're going to follow, then you're just floundering. I've, I've you know part of the the work I've been doing in mentoring businesses. So many people, when I've I've sit down to have the conversation with them, walking with nothing to write down, hmm. and and you sort of look at them and say, "You're going to remember all this," and you discover that that's part of their problem in their business. They don't keep notes, they don't write things down, they don't plan the day, and they're floundering from moment to moment. So I think the ones that do it well that we've spoken to, they all know what they're doing. They plan themselves. That's a great point, Mark. I have one private client that. Uh, that I'm looking after in the, in the food industry in a regional town. And he comes with one of these new devices, and I'm pretty sure it's called Remakeable. It's like a – it's a different type of iPad, and it's actually – all his files are in it. And as we speak and as we talk about actions and all this, that he's busily putting that into files within, his, within this new device he's got, 
and it comes up as reminders for him later on and he, he can action on it. On the others that, that uh, where I help them is that I've taken it upon myself to actually take the notes and to produce a meeting report over, after every meeting because I know that they're not doing it. And, and that's really important. I, I, exactly. We, I do exactly the same um, because I also add little bits and pieces to help them through later. But uh, to be really blunt, I, I have discovered a couple when I've gone to my next session and I've said, right, uh, let's go through the meeting notes. And they've gone, what notes? And they can't find it in their email because their email's a disaster. But anyway, let's let's move on to the the successes are the people that do it well. Well, that's right. Now, another lesson I think that we've learned and uh, I've also read about is that the survivors were those who prior to COVID weren't complacent about what was happening. And they had set up an arrangement whereby if the business was profitable, as a general rule, they put 30% of their profit away in a fund as a capital fund or what I call a survival fund. And two or three of the businesses that we've spoken to over this period of time survived COVID because they had working capital put away. Whereas, unfortunately, a lot of small businesses in general, and this happens in the hospitality industry and the smaller operators, is that everything they earn, they spend. And if there's one key lesson that COVID has taught us, is that, and I know it's tough and you might only make a small profit sometimes, but put a percentage of it away and put it into a fund that is there for survival in emergencies. Yeah, very very good advice, Bill. And again, um, the the good businesses that we've, we've chatted to all talk about the fact of having very clear budgets and working to those budgets and having realistic budgets. Yeah, uh, budgets and cash flows, Mark. Yes, cash flow. Yeah, never, med- never forget cash flow. Not, cash, not, cash is king, I think. They, the that's show. right. It's the, um, the better businesses that I've worked if, with over time. We have a rolling 12-month cash flow going at all times. Now, that doesn't always work out. And once again, unfortunately, COVID proved that you have to stop and re- readjust that. The um, Mark, what do you think... Is there any common trait do you think that we've we've seen in these businesses that we've interviewed and who have actually got over the hump and are now moving on to the you know to their next phase of their business? I, I that's a good question, and I, I think the word that pops straight to mind is passion. They all have a passion for their business. They all um, really want their people and their business to do well. It's not about themselves working to get the next new car or the next new toy. It's about them wanting to have a business that's sustainable. Uh, a lot of the family businesses want a f- business that they can hand down to the next generation if the generation's interested in that business. Um, the other traits, obviously, we've just chatted about is they've got very clear business plans. They they have a good culture. Uh, we can chat about culture in a little bit uh, later, but the the culture of the organisation is really important and everybody understands where that business is going and who their customer is and who they're focused on. They're probably the two or three that pop to mind, Bill. Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned the word culture because that, is, to me, is a key issue. I was talking to somebody at a business dinner the other night sitting next to me and we started talking about culture and I made the comment that I reckon I can walk into a business and after speaking to two or three people and, and walking around, I reckon you can smell the culture. You can, your antennas go up 
And uh, in fact, I'll name who it was. It was Jeff Hutchison, who we've interviewed uh, of from the Barwon Drones. Now, Jeff visitors visitors has visited many businesses in his drone business, and he made the same comment you know, th- that I did: that you walk in there and you just you can feel it, and when you start talking, you hear it. And, and that, I, I totally agree, and and I think you can you walk in, and it's it's simple things like if there's a reception what's the receptionist greeting like? And as you walk around with the owner or the manager and chatting about the business, how they interact with the people around them. Uh, It's interesting because, you know, at the moment, culture is such very topical in, in, you know, without naming the football club, Essendon. (laughs) Look look at the problems they've got. And, And I would think it stems from a cultural issue. And that's, it's just horrific. And, Flip to the other side, keeping the football analogy going, look at the successes of Geelong and the culture of that organisation. It, it's cohesive, they work together, and, and the captain who's now retired, that's the epitome of that, that culture. And he's um, got big shoes to fill, but I'm sure that the culture's strong enough that whoever comes into that role will continue within the culture because they've been brought up in the culture. So I really important to have a, a, a good culture um, there's lots of talk about you know the culture starting at board level if the, if there's a board for the business um, it's all pervading it, it's how people behave and 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 uh, operate and deal with each other and uh, can tip a business over if the wrong culture's there and, and in smaller businesses where generally the culture is driven or I, I'm not sure if it's driven but the culture is set by the owner that's what happens yeah exactly yeah. right and if the owner walks around screaming and yelling and swearing they'll probably have a very high turnover of staff and the business will just lollop I've, along. I've got plenty of examples of that mark <laughs> and I will I will give you one right now uh, no names no pack drill nope this was a family business there are about six members of the family working in the business they built a wall down the centre of the office so that one half of the family didn't have to see the other half of the family and they didn't speak to each other. I was, I was there and uh, it was just unbelievable to see such a fractious environment where the owner had abdicated his responsibility and was, in the end, was too scared to turn up to work. Yeah, unbelievable, yeah. absolutely unbelievable. But so, so Bill, so one of the other things that we've noted in some of these businesses is the the whole sustainable side. And by sustainable, it's you know looking after the environment, et cetera, et cetera. What what's some of the things that have popped up that you've noticed? Yeah, well, it's an interesting issue, and in um, a lot of business awards on their entry have tell us about your sustainability, and the usual responses you get. Well, I've got lead lights, you know, and I I recycle my paper and. All this sort of thing, but it's that's just not it. Sustainability is about the whole, the way that everybody in the business, when they're planning to do something, or when they're innovating, or when they're even looking at the current products that they're selling, is what's this impact going to have on a the business, the environment, and their clients into the future? So, it's sustainability is. A hell of a lot more than just putting the right lights in your ceiling. It, it's a way of running your business. Yeah, and and the lights and the and turning them off when you go home and all that that that's just given these days. Mm. That's no longer um, something that you do because you're thinking it's just a given. 
So, no, good comment. I mark on that. I had an interesting question put to me recently by a company that was looking to spend a lot of money on solar panels. And they made an interesting uh, observation in that because they were talking about they may have to borrow some money to install these solar panels. And their argument to me was, well, if we spend all this money now, by the time we um, get it up and running and by the time that we're looking for our final payback, which will take 15 years or 20 years, if we follow the government vision for sustainability and in, and in, and environmental power, so our solar panels won't mean anything because it's all going to be sustainable power coming through the lines. Interesting comment. So, but it is something that you need to address and I, it's what I suggested to, to this company was just put them on your roof to power some parts of your business now, but uh, I might get shot down for saying this, but I wouldn't be investing a lot of money in solar power until we see what the real blueprint is and what the outcome's going to be for all the investment in uh, renewable uh, power into the future. Interesting times ahead and good times ahead, I Mm. think, the way it's heading. So finally, Bill, just to sort of wrap up our little chat, one of the other things that stood out from our interview with all these different businesses is the business owner or manager seems to have a mentor that they look up to and and, uh, seek advice from, a bit of a sounding board. And lots of businesses have engaged people like you and me to come and have a chat with them and meet with them regularly and help them. So how important do you think mentoring has been to these businesses from what you see? Well, from my experience, uh, having done a fair bit of mentoring over the years at both CEO level and at just you know a small regional business owner level, it's absolutely critical because owning a business can be lonely. And I know that you're doing some program at the moment through the Geelong Chamber of Commerce that's funded by the state government Maybe you can talk about your most recent experience with the people you're mentoring. Um, it's a good program. It's, it's the uh, Victorian Small Business uh, has uh, allocated quite a few million dollars to business mentoring um, and allocated out through, uh, in Victoria, I think through VECI, the Victorian Chamber of Commerce and Industry, and then they've handballed, uh, well, no, that's probably an unfair word, but they've shared it out so that because they can't be everywhere and the Geelong Chamber has picked up the Geelong side. Um, it's a free service, um, which has its issues. It just, but it does mean people can take advantage of getting uh, four two-hour sessions for nothing. Um, I have had a few that uh, have booked it, and then when I've contacted them, they've said, "Oh no, I'm too busy for it," and they've forgotten they've actually booked it. And I think there is a need to have some skin in the game, but that's a separate discussion. But the mentoring itself has been a mixture of face-to-face Zoom. And has been fantastic. In, in each of the cases, it's a business that's a good business or a starting business. And they're looking for somebody to just bounce ideas off. They're, a lot of them are sole traders. Um, a number aren't, obviously. But the sole traders don't have anyone to talk to. They, they can talk to their partner, but their partner isn't necessarily the person that understands the business sense. And that's, that's been a I've, – I've had great enjoyment out of talking to people and having them at the end of it. I think I've delivered very little to them. And they've turned around and said, no, no, you've really helped me get a focus on where that's I'm going. That's because you've asked the right questions. Yeah, and also yeah. sometimes said, look, you're not running a business, you're running a hobby. Yeah. And that's fine, 
go and do what your passion is, which is not running that business, and keep that as a hobby in the side. Well, Mark, my final comment then on mentoring is at the other end of the scale. Um, I was on the Australian Company Directors Mentors Panel, and what happened was that the engagements I picked up were from very large companies. You know, I'm talking billion-dollar companies. But I was engaged as a mentor to mentor the second level of management. And in fact, one of the companies, which is one of Queensland's largest privately owned companies, offered mentoring to their senior general managers as a benefit of working for that business. Yeah, that, that's that's really good. I, when I, I did my uh, stint as an interim exec at the uh, city of Port Phillip, they provided their senior managers with a mentor if yeah. it was identified as part of their annual review in where they might have some weaknesses that needed help, they would engage with a mentor. And I think that was fantastic, a really positive step. Well, once again, a, a, you know, sort of that second level of management in, in large corporations or in any business for that matter is they sometimes are intimidated by, by or not intimidated, but are hesitant about taking some of their issues to their immediate superior, you know, because... Uh, that maybe that company is hasn't got a good culture in that they are good listeners and they promote self-awareness, etc. But I just think that's a great benefit that people talk about the great resignation. Well, if you've got a number of employees, what do you offer? It's not about offering them money all the time, but what are you really offering them that develops them and adds value to everything that you're doing? And, and, and that's a good sort of leading away from that, but that then helps the succession planning. Oh, because absolutely. then that's developing the next level of manager to be able to take over. And that's really good foresight for businesses that do that. Yeah, and if you're a medium-sized to a larger-sized business listening to this and you're losing people uh, to the opposition because they're telling you they're getting more money, I can tell you now it's not about the money. It's about where they're working. And that's the primary reason people are leaving. So I think that's about... Enough for us to chit-chat, Bill. I, I think we've had a great, great interviews over the uh, the last couple of months. And so a, a, a big shout out to the folk we've interviewed. I'm, I'm sure they're going to listen to this uh, and uh, hopefully they've enjoyed the uh, the process as not, well. Not only that, Mark, you've seen the list of what we've got coming up in the future. We've got a heap that's of... very exciting. A heap of very good uh, people that we're going to speak to. Uh, so we hope you're enjoying our podcasts. And so that's it for now. So thank you, Bill. Thank you, Mark. Thank you.